Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to talk about... Play skills. And what does that mean, Laura? That means how to get your dog to play and how to build play drive because that way we can use play in training. Okay, so why don't you start? Well, you know, I was thinking about this because we did the tug the tug episode mm-hmm. and towards the end I mentioned, you know, what if your dog doesn't play tug? If your dog is really timid, then this is how you can start, but I don't think we covered it enough. Okay. So I want to talk about that, and it's not just that, but it's also retrieve. There are a lot of dogs that, that don't retrieve, and retrieve is a good way. Just in general, playing is a good way to be able to reward your dog for things. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get to start. Okay. <laughs> this was your subject. Okay. <laughs> I will start then. Okay. So, like, towards the end of the tug, I mentioned that, you know, if your dog is really timid, that you can use a fuzzy toy on the end of a line like a cat with a with one of the fishing lines Uh and so you sit on the floor you can even turn your back or your side to your dog and kind of just drag it along and get the dog to follow it and anytime the dog shows any interest in it you know you happy talk clap to say what a good boy is and or girl and Mm -hmm. and depending on how timid the dog is you might have to keep that to a very very low very quiet right because a lot of dogs as soon as you start going yay good dog you make too much of a party they're going to let go some dogs will walk away some dogs will let go of it and come to you instead right and what the way i would deal with that is if they let go of it i would immediately be quiet Mm -hmm. i only make a party when the dog actually has it in their mouth or under their paw or they're paying attention to it Right. And some dogs, when you make too big a party, it feels like pressure. I mean, there is mm-hmm. a desire in, on your part for them to be doing something, and they can feel the pressure of even happy talk. Right. So, okay, so you get that fishing pole, and you start playing with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get the dog interested. Hopefully they are interested. Yeah. What do you do with a dog that just really doesn't show any interest at all? Would you put a little piece of food or something on there with it? Yeah, hopefully they're food motivated, and I wouldn't... Well, what I have done is, you know those braided fleece toys, the longer ones? What I've done is I've actually shoved a little piece of food in between the braids mm-hmm. and gotten the dog to try to grab mm-hmm. the braided fleece, and as soon as they sniff it, what I'll do is I'll then shove the treat out and then put another treat in, and then as soon as they, and sh- by shoving it out, I mean giving it to them. Mm-hmm. But not taking the toy away, pulling the treat out, and then handing them the treat, I will actually have the toy right up to their mouth. So it's and as if it's it coming out of the from toy. the toy, right. exactly. Okay. And by the way, any dog could be food motivated, even dogs that aren't food made, motivated. You can make a dog food motivated simply by withholding food. And except and, in a training context, and then they become very food motivated. Some people would call that cruel. I don't think that's cruel. I mean, dogs in a natural state would have to work for their food. Mm-hmm. They would have to find their food. So I don't think it's a negative thing personally, but, you know, I know right. that there are people who would. But if you have a dog now that you now have some interest in the toy, let's say he's watching it, but he's not touching it. Then I would show interest in the toy. I would go over, I would make a big deal, because you know as well as I do that dogs, once they know that you are interested in it, they suddenly become more interested in it. So a lot of times what we can do is as soon as we start playing with the toy, the dog will come over and go, hey, what you doing? Mm -hmm. 
And then I would, I would like barely show it to them and then go, oh no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And like really try to play keep away from the dog Mm -hmm. instead of showing it to them and trying to get them to grab it. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make is in trying to get the dog to grab it, they shove it in the dog's face. And what they should be doing is pulling it away from the dog. Well, not only does it, not only is there a physical reason that doesn't work, but yet again, it's fresher. Mm-hmm. Every time that you're trying to get the dog to do something that the dog doesn't show a natural interest in, you have to really be careful about the amount of pressure that you put on the dog to get them interested in something. You have to make it enticing mm-hmm. rather than than trying to convince the dog that they want it. You yeah. have to actually make it valuable as opposed to convince the dog. The dog has to have that change of heart on his own. So, okay, so you've been playing with the toy. I'm going to say hypothetically that I have a dog that just won't take the bait. Okay. It just won't take the bait. He's just not going to come over and play with that toy. Now, one of the things that I might try if I had a dog like that is, especially if I had access to a different dog, Mm -hmm. I might get him to just be in the presence of another dog playing with it Mm -hmm. so that it becomes very interesting by virtue of the fact that somebody else that he relates to well, not just a person, but he can relate very well to the people, but what I'm saying is somebody of his ilk is very interested in the toy. Yeah, and I've done that too and put the dog that you want to show more interest in the toy behind a baby gate. So then there's that frustration of being interested but not getting to play, and so that frustration is going to build up a little more drive. And if you were doing that and you were playing with the dog that was interested and you were interested, interested in, you know, playing, 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 having such a great time, you could, quote, accidentally at some point toss it over the gate. Uh-huh. And then pretend like you want to get it back real fast. Or, like, not you don't know where it is, so you go looking for it. Right. Because going looking for it can sometimes make the dog think, hey, <laughs> they, <laughs> they want this. <laughs> right. Because, you know, as well as I do, that as soon as you tell a dog they can't have it, that's when they want it. Depends on the timidity of the dog, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are dogs that are so timid that they're going to back off with any pressure at all. That's why sometimes if you would throw it over and then go looking for it, but not go looking for it there, mm-hmm. you can get the dog to be pretty interested that way because mm-hmm. there's there's interest but no pressure. Okay, so then let's say we get to the place where the dog now is taking hold of the toy. Okay, he's interested. He's He's touching it with his nose. Mm-hmm. He maybe is putting it in his mouth. He's Sometimes they put their foot on it. Like if you're dragging it around the floor, then they can put their foot on it to try mm-hmm. to just stop it from moving. Mm-hmm. And at that point, what are you going to do? Heavily reward the dog. Tell them they're a really good dog. You know, a lot of times for dogs that don't like to pick up the toy in their mouth, I'll use those Velcro toys. They're fuzzy, and they have a Velcro opening, and a lot of times they have squeakers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something that sticks to the dog. No, only poodles. It only sticks to poodles. Sorry, the visual I got on that did not look enticing to the dog to me, but what? You throw it at the dog and it sticks, and then the dog can't get away from it. Yeah, that's... Mouse traps would work, too. No, okay. Okay. Stop, Kim. So, yeah, so you use one of those that has the Velcro so that you can... Fill it with food. You take the squeaky toy out, you fill it with food, and you show show it to the dog you let the dog eat out of the middle of the pouch and then you sort of close the velcro bit and then you drop you drop it on the ground and the dog is going to come up and sniff it and as soon as the dog sniffs it you yay good boy open it up let them eat out of the pouch close it up again toss it just an inch the dog goes up to it as soon as they show interest in it you open up the velcro pouch and let them have a treat and pretty soon they're going to start picking it up and putting their mouth on it you just ask for a little more behavior Mm mm-hmm 
Okay. And so that would be either if you were trying to teach a dog to tug or if you were trying to get a retrieve. Am I right? You're yeah. just trying to get the dog to, to put his play. mouth on something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next. Well, next, there's a lot of... Come on, let's hear them. <laughs> Ideally, especially if you have a timid dog... If it's the kind of dog that, that there is pressure because the dog you're too close to the dog, you're facing the dog. So, like, let's say you are working with one of the fishing line toys, then you keep the dog farther away from you. Don't immediately pull them in and start playing tug or trying to get the toy away from them. You want to really make a party every time they have the toy in their mouth. Yeah, you have the toy. Oh, that's such a good dog. You can, like, do little clapping from farther away or pet the dog, but pet the dog from the shoulders back because petting them up towards the head, they're going to go, they're going to go, oh, you want the toy, and they're going to drop it immediately and stop playing. Yeah. Again, depending on the timidity of the dog, sometimes the easiest way to get a dog to do something is to not look. Mm -hmm. So I have great peripheral vision. I don't know about you. I think that's a... That Fabulous. maybe I, I can see behind it. me right now as we're talking. I, <laughs> no, can I didn't see behind say behind me. you. I said peripheral. But the thing is that a lot of times you can be looking away from the dog, but actually watching what the dog is doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with a really timid dog, when you're doing these exercises and you're doing these things, even when you're giving out the praise, mm -hmm. if you aren't making direct eye contact with the dog, if you're not looking directly at the dog, yeah. it can be just it can take just enough pressure off to make it still acceptable to the dog. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got the dog now. We've been working at this for a while, and we've been getting little bits and little bits and little bits. And we now have a dog that starts to hold up against pressure a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what's the next step? Then then the next step is, let's say the dog, it's, it's a toy that's on the end of a line, but it doesn't have any food in it. What you could do is, and this is what I did with one of my dogs, he wasn't timid, but I had a hard time getting him to grab a hold of a regular toy, was that he was very clicker savvy. And so every time he grabbed a hold of the toy, I would click and toss him a treat. Mm -hmm. So then he would look at me, and then he would pick up the toy. Oh, she wants me to grab the toy. So he would pick up the toy, pull on it, I would click and toss him a treat. Okay, well, that's cool, trainer girl, but here's the thing. We're making this for people who are trainers and maybe don't have clicker-savvy dogs. So if you have a dog that is... I would still say good, and as soon as the dog puts his mouth on it, I would say good and toss a treat to the dog. Okay. The other thing that you can do is you can then go from one of those fishing poles where the toy is on the end of the line to getting a very, very long toy. They now have those toys that are you know, three feet long. They have a big, long tail, and so you might at that point get the dog to get a hold of the end of that, and then don't put any pressure, just be holding for a second. Yeah. And then drop it. Mm -hmm. Because actually giving the toy up in that set of circumstances can build confidence. We talked yeah. about tug of war, and we talked about how we want to make sure that the dog is not tugging it out. But when you're working with a dog that's timid, that maybe has a You want him to get play. the toy. Yeah. You really want him to get the toy. So you might work with a really long toy, dangle it around, do, do your thing. As soon as the dog touches it, you can let go for a second. Mm -hmm. You can let go. And what you can do is then get him to start to feel a little more powerful. You're probably not going to build him into a beast, not if he's that timid to begin with. You, you would be careful with this kind of technique with a dog that was really outgoing. Mm -hmm. But with a timid dog, this could help a lot. So now he gets to win the toy, yeah. <laughs> as it were. Yeah, and you don't ever ask for it at that point. If he, if he picks it up and walks away with it, that's fine. I would let him. And then if he drops it, then I would go over, pick it up, and act like it's really valuable. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And once he gets it in his mouth, I would do everything I could to keep it in his mouth. I would not then at all go up and say, "Drop it" or "Give" or anything. That's not the time to work on your give. Right. Okay, so now we've gotten this timid dog, and we've gotten him on a long toy. Let's say. Mm-hmm. I love those long toys. By the yeah, way, they're great. But you can buy them in most of the stores. They almost all, you know, almost all the stores have them now. And so, okay, so now we have a dog that will take a hold of it, and you've let go for a while. And he's pranced off happy with it. Probably mm-hmm. not in the beginning, but later on he started to go, hey, look what I did. Yeah. And he starts to prance off happy with it. So now you've decided, well, now I'm going to add a little bit of pressure, right? I'm going to add mm-hmm. a little bit of me holding on to that. So tell me what that would look like. Well, as soon as he has it in his mouth, I would, like I said, make a party clap. Yay, good dog, good dog, good dog. And as long as he has it in his mouth, I'm actually not going to offer any food. Because, of course, then he's going to spit it out, and then you're going to have a problem with him picking it up again. Mm-hmm. And we want to encourage him to keep it in his mouth. I would, because most, I would say that most timid dogs have a good relationship with their owner. It's like they they want their owner to be happy. Not that I'm saying dogs have a desire to please, because they don't. But they do care about what kind of mood we're in. Because, like, for my dogs... They want to win our favor. They do. They yes. do. Because when I'm in a good mood, when there's a smile on my face, I'm more likely to... Yeah. To spread it along. Most timid dogs, I agree with you. Not all, but most timid dogs do want to win your favor. They want to stay out of trouble. That's the thing. Exactly. So whether it's because they've been worked with with a heavy hand or because they just have an innate worry about having a problem. I mean, we come into this world, there's positive and negative, and some mm-hmm. are going to be more concerned about the negative, even if they haven't been abused like everybody thinks every timid yeah. dog is. So... I agree with you. Those dogs are looking for favor, and if they can buy favor, they're very happy because that is the opposite. Right. Of That's why those dogs can respond poorly to pressure because mm-hmm. pressure starts to feel a little bit like it could be attached Like you could be something. mad at them. Like you could make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, like there's something on the line here. Yeah. So, okay, so they want to win our favor. So that being the case, you would would you start to tug at all? No. I know what I would do. At, at that point, point, at that point, I would, I would just make you. party. You're testing me as if there's a right answer. No, you know what? Yeah, there's a different answer, though. And that's just right. it. Yeah. Well, you know, the only thing two trainers can agree on is what the third trainer is doing wrong. Always. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> right. So, no, actually, though, I'm thinking we probably both have different ways to go about it, and they well, probably yeah. both work. So what would, your, what would you do at that point? I would just, as long as the dog has a toy in his mouth, I would, like I said, I would probably be sitting on the floor at this point because I don't, once I get up, Mm-hmm. Whether it's in a chair or standing up, that's that's pressure for the dog. It makes me bigger mm-hmm. and more threatening. So I'm going to sit on the floor and just make a party. And like you said, just watch him out of the corner of my eye. I'm not going to face the dog. I'm not going to turn my head towards him. I'm not going to lean into him. I'm going to say, yay, good dog, good dog, good dog. And then as long as they have the toy in their mouth, I'm going to continue to do that. And then if they spit out the toy, because a, a lot of times you say good dog to the dog, they spit out the toy and come to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was good. And that's I'm going to shut off. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I want the dog to to understand that I only say good dog when you have the toy in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Having the toy in your mouth is a really good thing. So if you want to keep me happy, mm-hmm. go get the toy. Right. Go pick up the toy. I was actually thinking of the next step after that. Because I agree. That's the same the same way I would handle it. I have nothing new to offer for that one because that's the same thing I would do. Right. But I'm thinking, okay, so the dog has gotten enough courage now. Mm-hmm. The dog has gotten enough. Um, maybe he's just excited enough. That he keeps it in his mouth for a bit. Mm-hmm. At what point do you put your hand on it, and then how do you handle that? Well, I would, at that point, I'm not going to let go of the toy. After a couple of times of him carrying the toy off and me saying, 
talking happy to him, and he's got the toy in his mouth, and he's feeling more confident about coming up and taking it and pulling it enough. You know, I might let it slide out of my hand so there's a little tiny bit of pressure each time, and each time I'm putting a little more pressure on it so that he's getting that feel. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just going to not let go. Have him do one tug and go, oh, it's not coming out as easily, and then I might let go of it. Mm -hmm. That would probably be my next step. I'm really splitting here. You know what? Um, I think that most dogs don't initially start with any tugging anyway. So what I my probably my next step would be what I've watched my dogs do a hundred times with each other, and that is I would move parallel with the dog for a couple of steps, with each of us having a, pa- a part of the toy. Mm-hmm. You ever seen two dogs do that? When you know a dog takes one side and another dog takes another dog side, and they start. My dogs used to do victory laps that way, oh, yeah. run around the park like that. And I might try to get that as the next step. I might try to get the next step to just be we're both moving. We both have a piece of it, almost like we're hand holding, only with the to- using yeah. the toy as okay. the way to hold. That's if a really I can get good idea. That, well, thank you. You're but if I can get that, it's your one for the day. <laughs> well, good because the rest of my day didn't go that well. Um, <laughs> But if I can get that, sometimes that's the first step to the dog starting to think, oh, okay, this is a cooperative thing. Mm -hmm. We're playing this game together. Knowing, by the way, that I really don't play tug of war with a dog. But there are dogs that I've worked with that definitely wanted them to have the nerve to do something like that. So you walk a couple of steps, then you drop the toy? Well, and I might not even walk a couple of steps. A lot of times dogs will, instead of moving backwards, they'll start to move kind of around you. Mm-hmm. And so I will actually just hold the toy and move around my body with it so that I'm kind of parallel with the dog. So that we're moving together. It's a cooperative effort. And at the point where the dog starts to pull, at that point, I might still let go of it. Mm-hmm. I might actually just encourage more tenacity mm-hmm. before I actually ever start to put any type of pressure whatsoever. Right. I might encourage it by getting the cooperative part of it first. So after you've done that for a while, and by the way, that's a trick I learned from my dogs. Totally. Mm-hmm. I love it when they do that. I think it's the cutest thing in the whole wide world. They said, hey, mom, watch. I love it when they do that. I think it's darling. Yeah. You know, they'll go, they'll pick up a stick, and they'll go running through the park with it side by side, yeah. one carrying each side of it. It's hysterical. Anyway. I don't know. It's a simple pleasures. Um, but anyway, so at that point, after having done that a few times, then I might start to put just a little bit of pressure back. Not hard. I certainly wouldn't pull. I just wouldn't release either. I would allow there to be a little bit of a pull. Right. Because by that time, the dog's usually pretty hooked. They're pretty hooked on the idea, especially if they've pulled it out of your hand a few times with the parallel movement. They start to go, oh, okay, I see how this works. And then when they get a little bit of resistance back, it's kind of a pleasant surprise. It's a little bit of a change in a game that they've already become comfortable with. That would be my way to start getting a dog to interact with a toy. All the things that you said, to be honest with you, I didn't have a lot to, to add to that. That's my one step that I would add to it. What if you were trying to get a dog to interact with a toy and you got him interacting with you, but now you were trying to say, generalize that to other people. I would have them start out exactly the same way as I did. You start from scratch with every new person until the dog builds up confidence to understand that, oh, this game applies with everybody, not just you. And I would also do it in different locations. So like the second person, I would probably do it in the same location, do exactly everything the same. And then maybe the third person, move it by like 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Start the game someplace else, you know, just slightly off with somebody else. And, and then move it around. Okay. And would you say probably the best way to shoot yourself in the foot with this one, on this one, or the best way to mess this one up is to take giant leaps? 
Yeah. Because if I were to say the one thing that I think makes it difficult for me to teach people to do these things, it's that once they get attached to the end result, it's very difficult to get them to move in small enough increments to take the small victories and not necessarily go charging forward. Well, we got three small victories today, so we have to get three small victories tomorrow. Maybe today we have three small victories, and maybe tomorrow we kind of stay at the same place we were at today. Maybe tomorrow the dog isn't feeling, isn't having as good a day. Mm -hmm. So the way to really be successful at something like this is to know that the more attached you get to the end result, the longer it will take you to get there. Right, and I think that part of that, goes along with the retrieve because you know with retrieve our goal is for the dog to bring it back and us to get it from the dog and so what tends to happen is okay everybody not everybody but most people can get their dogs oftentimes you can get your dog to go out and get the toy and the dog might bring it back a couple of times and then suddenly the dog starts either going off in a corner somewhere with the toy or they stop five or six feet from you just out of arm's reach And they seem really conflicted about whether or not they should bring it back because our goal is to get the toy away from the dog. So the dog comes back. We put him in a chokehold, basically. But then you're ripping it out of the dog's mouth or you're instantly going, drop it, drop it, drop it. And the dog's going, wait a minute, I just ran 30 feet for this thing and the first thing you're going to do is rip it out of my mouth. That doesn't quite seem fair and it certainly isn't fun for the dog. Well, and as human beings, we tend to celebrate our victories. So we get the dog runs out and gets the toy, and they bring it back, and we get it back, and then we stand there feeling victorious for a while instead of realizing we have to reinforce what just happened. So mm-hmm. either we have to be there with something wonderful to absolutely shower on the dog and make a big deal. Look, here's goody upon goody upon goody because you gave it to me, and yay, aren't you a wonderful dog, and make a huge deal out of it and then throw it again so that the whole thing felt like a great wonderful adventure to the dog right what typically happens is even if they don't put the dog in a chokehold the dog comes back they get the toy away and then they stand there victorious for a while going Woo-hoo, i got the toy <laughs> away from the dog yay my dog retrieved and that's why dogs start to stay out of reach and you can tell that they're really conflicted i want to get back to you i want to share it with you but i don't like the way you're the way this game is ending i don't like how you handle it yeah. right yeah and so what i usually tell people to do is don't touch the toy you don't, you're enjoying the moment with the dog. You're happy the dog brought the toy back to you, so you don't even go for the toy. Right. And most of the time, like, a dog will come back to me. I'll pet them, again, from the shoulders back, because what tends to happen is it will pet the dog, and then as soon as we get up close enough to their face, then we snag the toy out of their mouth, again, being very goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. And then the dog learns, oh, when you start to move your hand around up by my face... That's when I need to turn my head or I need to get out of here. Exactly. And so then, again, they start being really cautious around you. And so I just pet the dog and pet the dog and pet the dog. If the dog spits out the toy, I stop touching them. Mm -hmm. I stop touching them. And even if, like, a lot of times what I'll do, this will tell me if the dog is ready for me to start taking, asking them for the toy, is that I will pet them, pet them, pet them, and then I take a half a step back. Mm -hmm. And most of the time the dog will go, hey, where'd you go? And come into me again. Yeah. And I'll pet them, pet them, pet them, take another half a step back. Somebody with long toenails is tap dancing. <laughs> Daisy, Daisy is probably flirting with the dog on the other side of the baby gate. That's what it sounds really like. Really funny sounding. I agree with you. I think a lot of times when I'm trying to get a dog to bring something back to me, as soon as they start to come back to me, a lot of times I will turn it into a chase game. So I might turn and run even. Mm-hmm. And all the time cheering them. Yes, 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 good, 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 good. 
because it gets them enthusiastic about coming back. Also, if they spit it out and you immediately pick it up and throw it, that can be a reward. It depends on the dog. Now, it can be the dog then calling the shots, but with a timid dog, sometimes that's helpful. You need them to build up their confidence. Yes, and you need them to want to give that up to you after retrieving it and to feel good about that and to know that that's going to pay off. Yeah. So sometimes I'll grab that moment. The thing about any time... <laughs> That tap dance is hilarious. Anytime that you're working with a dog to try to teach them about play, what you have to do is try to detach yourself from the whole concept of what the, the end result needs to yeah. be. Yeah, you have to get away from that whole goal-oriented idea. Because remember, there is perhaps your goal, instead of get being to get the dog to play, which is where most people have a goal, it's to get the dog to want to play. Mm -hmm. And if you were trying to get a person to want to do something, you would probably find ways to make it enticing as opposed to trying to get someone to do something. It's really difficult for a dog who isn't into something like that to just accept it as something fun because you say it's fun. They kind of have to make that discovery on their own. And the happier and less intense you can be, the easier it is for your dog to want to get involved. Right. And so also you kind of want to play in short increments. Mm -hmm. Always leave the dog wanting more. And Don't play until the dog goes, yeah, I'm tired of this or you're putting too much pressure on me. Right. And this is one of those situations where sometimes it's best to leave the toy down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's best not to keep the toy as a special thing for you right now. Because if you can find something in the very beginning, if you can find something that really intrigues the dog and have the dog feel very intrigued by that toy all the time, then you picking it up, especially if he's played individually with it, mm -hmm. you picking it up then becomes you showing interest in what he already finds interesting. And you know what I would do is still to keep it special, I wouldn't take it away when the dog is looking. So let's say the dog is over in the corner playing with it and then the dog leaves. Then I might go pick it up. So that when the dog comes back, he says, oh, Where'd that toy go? And then when he leaves again, then I might put it back down again. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't pick it up and take it away from him, and I wouldn't put it back again when he's, you know, when he's necessarily looking for it. I think that I would wait for him to not be around to see me pick it up, just so that he starts, where'd that looking toy go? It. Yeah. Looking for it, yeah. And if you have a second dog, it's a really good idea to bring the second dog in on it at mm -hmm. times, in a, in a controlled fashion. Because I think that's probably why I've never had a problem, mm -hmm. ever, ever had a problem with dogs not being interested in toys, because I've had multiple dogs. So you have multiple dogs and you use your other dogs to help you. And I, you know, I've done that before too, especially when I've had Sherman, I've had timid, you know, I have had timid dogs over and he can always, he could always get a dog to play with him. Well, especially if you take the pressure off and don't think it has to happen today, sometimes just having them watch another dog play time and time again. Mm -hmm can get a dog really interested in something. Yeah. And that's what he would do. And that's, I think, how I learned some of this was that he would pick up a toy and play about 20 or 25 feet away from them. And then he would pick it up and he would run past them, but not too close. Like Pressure. trying to draw yeah. them out yeah. away from the wall that they were plastered against. You know, yeah. look how much fun I'm having. Look, oh, this is something. Then he would lie down and he would... You know, he would lie down sideways to them, not Keeping facing them. I was just going to say shoulder exactly. to them. Exactly. Yep. And he would throw the toy up in the air and grab it again, roll around, play with it with his feet, get up, run around, throw it around. And, you know, and then he might glance at them a little bit and then turn away. Turn away. And it's, it's amazing to see how dogs interact with each other. Well, actually, when I think about 
teaching a dog to play, that's what I do. I always think about how my dogs go about it. I always think about I, uh, Pansy, my, one of my pit bulls, who would, when she wanted to play, she was great at puppy classes. And when she would want to play with the puppy, she'd get really little. And she mm-hmm. would she would um, definitely be very joyful. She would definitely keep the pressure off, not look them directly in the eye. She would roll on her back a lot mm-hmm. to say, hey, look, I'm vulnerable. Look, you could get me. Yeah. I mean, there was this whole there was this whole language and this whole conversation that went on, and she was so clear, and they totally picked up on it. Mm-hmm. And she was so clear to say, I'm not threatening. I'm just fun. Yeah. And look how much fun I'm having, and you could be part of this. Mm-hmm. And it's not scary. Yeah. It's really not scary. Yeah. So I think the main the main thing about this is that we need to be not so goal-oriented. We but, need to look at the process and not the end result. And that's not just about bringing out play in your dog, by the way. That's one it's of the most glaring everything about ones. training. Yeah, it is everything about training. It is very difficult um, for dogs to, especially because dogs have to take our word for it that this, something is important. Mm-hmm. It is not innately important to them maybe we're teaching them to do something that we think is a really big deal and left to their own devices it fits none of their natural behaviors and they have none of their sensibilities tell them that this is important it's really 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 helpful if you let go of that whole goal-oriented thing Mm -hmm. and take the small victories yeah all right so are we done with this one i do believe so well in that case thank you very much for joining us today Remember that you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and in iTunes. Yay! And until we meet again, <laughs> this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.